DDS is a 24-year-old RIAA gold-certified producer from Michigan. He is mostly known for his songs with Detroit artist Dej Loaf, such as Try Me and You, Me, and Hennessy, featuring Lil Wayne. Try Me peaked at number 45 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in 2015. We discussed uh, producing music, setting creative goals, and how he managed to make a lane for himself in the industry. Uh, using social media and other means. Hope you enjoy my conversation with DDS. Mr. Derek Veenhoff. He's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yes, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I know it was a bunch of stuff getting a hold of me, but I appreciate you reaching out again because that slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. Um, the, yeah, you must be a busy guy. Uh, you're on these, you're on all these lists on blogs and stuff, like hottest producers coming up and all this. So they say your phone's got to be ringing off the hook. That's what the blogs say about you. So yeah, yeah. I've been doing a lot of the stuff on YouTube, so that's been keeping me extra busy. Yeah, yeah, you got your YouTube channel going where uh, you try to give advice now to uh, different fans and like producers and whatnot. And uh, yeah. you're also a graphic designer, videographer. Anything else that you do that? Uh, well, I wouldn't call myself a videographer. I know how to play around. Oh, okay. The graphic design stuff, that's what I really initially started out doing. I had a business that I was running like back on MySpace when I was probably about 16, 15, 16, I had made money designing layouts for people like rappers. I knew how to do the, what is it? The DIV layouts and all that stuff. So yeah, that's when I started doing that. But once I started going to school for it, I kind of lost interest in it. So it was like, uh, cause they were making me do stuff. I didn't want to do it. Like, no, but if you get a job doing this, yeah. you're going to do this. And I was like, yeah. So then music kind of became my main thing. And I just flow with that. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, we have a lot of parallels. Like, I also went to school for design, and I have my own business as well. So, I've had, like, my professors on this show and stuff, and, like, you know, local whatever designers, and it's, it's yeah. So, the music took over for you, eh? Yep. I'm trying to balance everything now. I'm trying to, you know, for me, at the beginning, I wanted music to be the main thing. And for me, it's almost like after the graphic design took over. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so... What, what how I know you is from the Dej Loaf tracks, okay. which is how most people probably found found your work. Would that would that be? I mean, she's got like five million Instagram followers. It's funny because a lot of people, when it comes to like Instagram and stuff like that, I would say yes. But I've been in contact with companies and right. people try their products and stuff like that, all because of my YouTube. They don't even know that ah. I did Loaf stuff or anything they're just like what have you done who have you worked with so i'm like well i did this and that and they're like oh we didn't know that i'm like well how did y'all find me yeah. um, we just, just sitting on youtube and we saw it and then we went through all your videos and you had a tons of tons of videos so we we're like okay we're going to send you this or send you that so yeah tell people youtube is the place to be it's a lot of work but it's the place to be <laughs> well yeah if you're a producer or, or a um, creative that needs equipment and you're good at reviewing stuff you could just start with a camera and then you just start yeah, putting your reviews online. I've heard a lot of guys online that get free stuff like that. Whether it's like the VR, you know, let's say you're just, re- or like that's uh, what's that computer guy uh, Linus Tech Tips or whatever that guy's name is. Uh, I know who you're talking about. You know, they must send him everything, right? Because that's what people do. They check if you check out a product before you you buy it, you're probably going to go on YouTube and see someone unboxing it or whatever, right? Exactly. Um, and I have people. In my comments, I have tons of comments of people just like, "Oh, you made me go get machine," or "I want, I got this one, I got that one," because I'm all machine for the most part, completely yeah. native instruments. So I've been using their stuff since 2013, and people just been hitting me up like, "How'd you get so good at it?" I'm like, "You have to put your time in with it." Yeah. But the fact that they reach out to me is crazy because I'm like, I don't think I'm a big YouTuber like that anyway. I have what. 14,000 subscribers, but I'm yeah. not 
one of the people that got hundreds of thousands of subscribers and stuff, but it was just crazy. It's still significant, right? Like, a, you know, yeah, compared to others, maybe it's small, but, like, it's significant enough that, yeah, you know, people will look it up, people will, will heed what you're talking about for the product before they buy it. Um, right. So, I just want to confirm, I know, obviously everybody knows you did Try Me, uh, the Me, You, and Hennessy, that's your beat as well? Yes. I had originally did that by myself because there was two versions of it. There was one version I did by myself, which contained a sample, which was on her mixtape. And then from there, sorry about that, somebody. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry about that. So one part of it, this is, I got two things you on the screen. Sorry about that. Okay. okay so the original included a sample, and then um, they had another producer by the name of Ghost Music. He had replayed some of the stuff we went through and redid the drums and then try to match the vocals up with everything. So I give, I actually give him credit for it. I mean, I guess I was the idea behind it, but yeah. when it came to the keys and everything, that was, that was him. I was just doing my drums and then arrange it, trying to arrange the vocals together. So we both did that one, but the original was me. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I don't know if I've heard the original, uh, would it have just been online then like on YouTube and stuff? It was on her sales soul mixtape. Oh, it was on the mixtape. Okay, the one with Lil Wayne though. That would have been the the newest, the final beat. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. song was great, man. It's it was so like, yeah, it's, it it was vibey. It was just so I don't know. That song really was like a mood for me for a while. I'm sure you get a lot of feedback like that. But another one of my favorites is Ao. Yeah, I love that. One. That's a good one, man. That's one of my jams for sure. That's, that's probably my favorite. I'll say it's in the top three that I've done with her. That's one of my favorites. Just the beat alone is in the way she went with it. Singing. Yeah. It was just the part when she says we don't fuck around it. Her voice melts with the beat in such a way that like everything just comes through like the melody and the drums. Everything just snaps when she says that. That's like the build up part for me. That's cool. Uh, so and then you've worked with uh, Trade the Truth is another one, right? Yep. Does that guy whisper on every track? <laughs> I guess that's just his voice you know he has that deep voice we were saying like how does he do a concert like if he's just <laughs> he such a low tone they must have to like amplify his voice a little more I have no clue but he was actually the was he the no he was one he was one of the first actual artists that's actually established to reach out to me when Try Me and Stuff first came out he mm. reached out to me and told me he wanted to work on a few things and stuff. Mm. so I sent, sent him some beats and then he was like, oh, yeah, he likes that one. And he told me him and Lil Durk was going to do something with it. So mm. that's how it all came together. Yeah, there's a Lil Durk and uh, this young Tory from Toronto are doing stuff now. Young Tory, some new kid coming up. He's kind of like small guy with dreads, got the kind of singy, singy future thing going on or something. I don't know. I probably heard him, but my thing now is, and this may surprise you because it surprises a lot of people, I don't even listen to music like that. No, uh, I used to, I used to always listen to the new stuff, but yeah. then as I got older, it's like my time started getting stretched out. And like with me doing YouTube, yeah. I want to actually do my own podcast, make beats, go meet people while I'm driving. I listen to podcasts. Yeah. Then in my free time now, I like to read because I'm into investing and stuff. So I'm studying all different types of things. And I'll be like, people are like, have you heard this? I'm like, no, let me go look it up real quick. Have right, you heard right. this? Look it up real quick. Well, don't you find in the in this day and age, I guess, maybe especially for creatives, there's just so much going on and there's so much to do. And like with all the tools that you have, like they do all these these boards and machines, keyboard, you can just you can make anything. You can just you just make shit. You get wrapped up just making shit, and then you gotta also pay attention to what's being said on the news and the politics and all of that. It's insane. I feel the same way. It's always something going on. It's like okay, I'm I'm finally done with this. Now it's something here. Okay, let yeah. me do this. Now I gotta do that. Did you do this? Nope. Let me do that. <laughs> At the board, we have to literally write down what I wanted to do the next day, the night before, so that way I remember everything. Do you do you write down goals for yourself as a creative? Like, do you do you tend to write, write stuff down? Yeah, I write down daily goals. Like I have this little um, board on the wall over here, and I just write down what I need to do for the day. Long term stuff. I kind of write stuff like. I say my overall goal in life is just to be financially free so that way I can provide, like, do whatever whenever I want to for yeah. me and my kids and stuff like that, family, whoever. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had that at the bottom of it, but I see it every day and I don't erase it. That's why it's at the bottom. So it's out of the way. Then I write, like, goals for the week. This needs to be done. This needs to be done. Things like that. And then on top of that, I have 
some stuff in here that I just write like random ideas and then my phone is filled with notes that I'll be sitting doing something random and then I get a video idea. Let me go write this down real quick. Stuff like that. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's really important. And even for me, I could do that a lot more too. But I know for a lot of people, they might have certain ideas, but they'll be fleeting. So when they don't force themselves to write them down, it could be a song idea. It could be a melody. Like uh, sometimes, you know, you might want to hit the voice recorder and like put that melody down. Do you ever do that? I haven't done that. <laughs> Because the way I make beats is kind of different when, um, excuse me, I have like a little allergy stuff going on. So that's why my voice sounds crazy. But what I do is I will sit down. Like, I'm like, all right, I'm about to go make some beats. I just sit down and I just go through sounds until I find something I like. Like, I'll sit here and push on the machine yeah. and start putting something together. I usually don't have anything in my head where I'm like, oh, I need to go make this. I just find a sound that inspires me. Like, I just go through, what is it, Omnisphere, put it on random. Yeah. Through it. Start playing around. Oh, I like this. But once I get that going, then I'll be like, okay, now I can take this here and do this, do this, do this, do this. And I just have fun. That's why I tell people, like, yeah. just have fun with, with whatever it is you're doing and it'll just flow. So you're, okay, so I can see your approach. You're, you're a builder of the music. Like, you build it and you layer it. Like, that's what I do a lot. But sometimes I do have the melodies will come and I'll kind of jot them down, like the riffs. Or I'll play a little guitar and sample that and loop that or something like that. But it's it's interesting how people make music. There's so many ways you can approach it. Yep. Like you could. I was watching a documentary on Chicago that's on Netflix. That yeah, that band Chicago. I'm like they're super I, old, yeah. but yeah, they went through different stages of their sound and everything. But I guess it was basically just like the dopest musicians in Chicago all got together and like let's try making a band, and they were just so good that it's all it's all melody. Like it's all stuff they've preconceived and like they call you know they name it with like latin names like section one like whatever and it's it's all built like it's all preconceived but there's this way of making music and it's with the tools that were provided like all these ableton and different things where you can loop and build and add on you know i would say with that another thing that i do like i do my beat making videos and the thing that i'm doing the most now is really the live streams so people see my whole process and they'll say, how do you arrange so quick? And I'm like, because, well, for one, the machine jam helps you arrange faster. But I well, like I try to tell them, like, when I'm building this one loop, I'm already piecing everything together as how I want it to go when I have everything that I want. Like, all right, I'm ready to go. So I know this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. This is the verse, this is the chord, this is the bridge, this is the outro, stuff like that. Mm. And then I try to get it to tell a story because I'm a big fan of films. Like, I, I love movies. Yeah. So I try to kind of tell a story with the music or then I would love to see my stuff in film. So I kind of think of stuff like that. I visualize something like when somebody plays me their music, I have to let them know ahead of time. Like if they see me just sitting there like this, it doesn't mean I don't like your music. I'm really trying to visualize <laughs> something in my head. Like I make a music video or something in my head. Yeah. I feel that. Um, yeah. I, I think I saw you're into like horror movies and stuff like scream or like all this kind of like the sci-fi maybe too, stuff like that. I'm into anything that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. the dark sounds kind of come through on your beats. Like you say you use minor chords a lot. Like that's what you like to play around with. Yep. And you, I mean, it's that ominous kind of dark tone, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> to me, yeah, that could be from a horror movie. People say for me, for my music, they're like, oh, it's weird and it reminds me of like Mario. <laughs> so I take that almost as a compliment, I guess, but it's kind of like, what, my music's weird? What do you mean my music's weird? <laughs> I get that sometimes too. I I get a whole lot of stuff like that. Like people say, "Oh, you don't make stuff. Why does all your stuff sound so dark?" And then if I make something that's positive, why, where's the dark stuff at? Yeah, yeah. just gotta make stuff for you at the end of the day. But I get the video game stuff too. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah, video. Some of the best music comes from video games. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you? What do you do? The RPGs? Are you Final Fantasy guy? Like old school stuff like that? Chrono Trigger. Earthbound, uh, Zelda. I don't know. I never played Zelda. The games that I played, the older games, I'll say, were um, like Sega Genesis because that's the first game system I had. I think I got that probably when I was about, I don't know when it came out. I was born in 92, but I'm not sure when it came out. It's like Sonic and stuff? Exactly. Sonic, NBA Jam, the Disney games like Aladdin, um, Lion King, stuff like that. But now I play... What's the game I've been playing? I had well, I haven't played a game in a while, but I played a GTA online. 
have Resident Evil. You said online. Yeah, GTA Online. Yeah, boy. I got like 30 days logged in that game. If you look at my account, it's like 30 straight days or something like that. I think mine is somewhere like that. <laughs> to the point where I had 20-something million dollars, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop playing the game. Yeah. At the last Resident Evil that just came out, but I got stuck at one part and never went back to it. And the Tom Clancy's Bad, was it Badlands, I believe it's called. Mm. So that it sounds was, like more you like the solo game experience. It sounds like you don't, you might not play like Overwatch. You heard of Overwatch, that new computer? I, heard of, I haven't played it. I, had, I do play Call of Duty, Battlefield, stuff like that as well. Of course, mm. those are only online that I'm playing, so do stuff like that. I do have the NBA 2K games, but I really haven't played those. Those just collect dust after a while. It's really just been GTA and Tom Clancy, but yeah. lately, like I said, I got into the books and I've just been like, I haven't even touched the game. I'm like, let me learn something else. Let me keep on learning. Cool. Yeah, don't uh, don't try Overwatch unless you want to get lost in a, and addicted to this video game and never make beats again because it's too good. My little cousin you know, on Xbox playing it all the time. Yeah. And he play him and all his friends. Yeah. Um... So Omnisphere is the shit, eh? I've tried it. Uh, I, I'm thinking of buying it, but it's an investment. But you say on your YouTube channel a lot too is invest in yourself, right? Yep, I had to do that when I when I had lost my job back in what was that 2014? Like I had some money saved, but it wasn't a lot. Like I have a kid and stuff, so it wasn't a whole lot of money, but. I had unemployment and I saved up a couple of those checks and I went and bought, um, what is it, Complete Ultimate, I think it was nine at the time. No, it might have been ten. Okay. I was like $1,000 and I bought it and then one of, those, that, one of those songs that I made with it when I first got it became the first song on the Sell Soul mixtape, Bird Call. I just don't think my tag was on that beat, but that was the very first one. Then on top of that, I had made the money back before that whole situation came up because I made a beat with it and someone over in Canada said they wanted to buy it. Then they gave me, I want to say between 200, $300. Then somebody else came and said they wanted another beat. And that just, it just came better. The better sounds, that's what draws people in. People ask me about my mixing and I say, it's really about the sounds you use. Cause really not much to it. If you have good sounds, in my opinion. Now does that come from, this is what I, uh, I struggle with. Cause I struggle to be a good engineer and mixer. Like, I feel like I can make a beat that's cool, but I'm, so I'll get like certain friends that are better than me to mix my stuff if I can. So when you work on the, um, uh, on the machine, I've played with it a bit, but, and I've played with like a MV8000 back in the day, stuff like that. So is it just the stock sounds are just like that good? Or like the processing is that good that you don't need to do too much to mix it? Cause I use Ableton and I find that you got to do a lot to it. The drums that come in the machine and the, packs that Native Instruments put out are very quality. I rarely have to really make changes unless it's like with the kick where I really wanted to hit, I had to bring it up in the EQ and stuff like that. But I try to tell people all I really do is I'll EQ a few things, I may filter some things and level and then pan. That's really all it is. Unless it's something special that I really want for this sound, I'll do that. But they have some great drum sounds that they put out every few months and I just grab them and break them apart like okay i can use this 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 and then start making my own drum kits out of the ones that they have so that we already have it ready to go and i don't have to search through them again mm. it's ready to go yeah you you have a youtube video about overproducing beats and i find that that's kind of my problem sometimes like i'll because it's so fun sometimes to get lost in like doing effects and stuff uh you you can get distracted by it you know um i, I could tell you i can give you a few examples like in Try Me, they put a filter on the beat toward the end. I didn't do that. They did that. So if I had did that, I wonder would they still have liked the beat? You know, because sometimes you can overdo stuff. And a lot of times, if when you're dealing with an artist, they don't want to have a whole lot going on because their voice is also an instrument. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going and putting a song out on your own, not expecting anybody to get on it, just, ugh, just instrumental track. Sorry about that. It's cool to go ahead and add as much as you want because you're not expecting anybody to use it. But if you have stuff going on in and out, this, that, and the other, and the person's like, yeah, this is too much, then you lost it. So you want to get the basics in, and then if they want to add stuff afterwards and you're there, you can do it. Or if you're not there, they'll do it. And then sometimes you'll put stuff in the beat that they like, 
or they don't like, but they still like the beat, and they'll ask you for the files or whatever, and then they'll take yeah. everything out that they don't want. Do you be like, what happened to that stuff I put in there? And they were like, oh no, we didn't, we didn't want to use it, so we took it out. Yeah, I found that with the the one track that I did with Chavis, that he just, he they made it better. They chopped it up and like did the added breakdowns where I might have forgot to have a breakdown or, or let the beat breathe a bit more and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, no, I feel that. Um, so what? Any artists that you? First of all, I want to ask you. I like to ask Americans. This is any. What Canadian artists are you aware of or into? Besides Drake. If you like Drake. There's Drake, uh, Tory Lanez. There's somebody else from Canada that I just can't think of. I, I like Justin Bieber's last album. I know mm-hmm. he's from Canada. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else. I just can't think of their name. They're just not known like that. Like, I ran across them on Instagram. Okay. This is dope. I just forgot who they were. It's always funny, I mean, asking uh, uh, Americans because, yeah, uh, there's only going to be a handful that they will even know, first of all, because the American market's so saturated with artists. Like, it's Ooh, insane. <laughs> but for me, like, I, I know, you know, I follow Canadian artists because of, oh, this guy's from Toronto. Okay, I'll check him out. Like, so there's all these little guys with, like, a thousand followers, you know, but they're good. But there's just not room for them in the marketplace, per se. Right. But, yeah, it's it's... It's crazy that we look at certain dudes like there's a scene. Uh, like Roy Woods, you ever heard of that guy? I think so. Like he kind of is from the that weekend party next door kind of sound, right? But there's these young guys, man. And now there's actually um, a producer from around where I'm from, Murder Beats, the guy that uh, yep. works with Migos. Yeah, so he's like a dude from around here that now he's he's all over uh, the Drake stuff and party next door and whatnot and. Um, Everybody's stuff. <laughs> There's Wonder Girl is from near Toronto. Like all these. Yeah, I didn't know she was from there, but I've, I've heard of her. Yeah, she's dope. Um, so much talent, man. So many new weird sounds coming too from from Detroit and from Toronto. I noticed like Detroit is interesting because back in the day, like I don't know, Chavis was telling me about uh, Blade Icewood and those kind of characters that. And there's this certain type of Detroit flow that's like ahead of the beat or something. It's like they don't rap on the typical ends of the beats. You know what I'm talking about. You're nodding your head. You, you, you know. What do you call that? Like, what is that called in Detroit? Nomenclature. I don't know what it's called, to be honest with you. It's just like talking rap. It, exactly. It's like when I hear, a, a, I'm not going to say all the time, but a lot of the times when you hear a rapper from Detroit, you can tell that that's where they're from. You can tell by the beat, a lot of the times from the beats they choose, and you can just tell, <laughs> you know right off the bat. Yeah, and then, but obviously you have sort of outliers like, uh, well, Travis is all got the soulful stuff. You got uh, Danny Brown, of course, with like the weird trippy stuff. So the, And then there's, you know, there's the techno roots of Detroit. There's the Motown stuff. Like there's so many, it's eclectic mix of sounds for one city. It's It's kind of unique. Exactly. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but I, th- I think what it is is too based off of the population, the people, well, what the people are really pushing towards is that typical Detroit. When I say typical, I mean it's a sound that pretty much everybody is doing at the same time. So that was one thing that I was having a hard time with because I probably tried to, at one point, I was trying to give my beats away just because I wanted people to work with me and yeah. build something. And build my catalog so I can say I've worked with this person, that person, but they just could not get on my beats. Mm. But if I go and make a Detroit sounding beat, then they'll be all over it. And I'm like, but I don't really like doing this, but that's what they wanted. And then that in turn is what the people like. So they're not thinking about changing and branching out now. If everybody like soulful or sample beats, then that whole scene would change again. It'll be other artists on top that's using that you know and that's the slum village already kind of you know it's like there's already been so much um stuff just cemented in time and music like jay dilla jay dilla is like the it's like he's like the epicenter of hip-hop in a weird way not that he was from the very beginning of it but sound wise and like taking chances wise like you're talking about sort of making your own lane for sound that others might not be be latching on to but Jay Dilla, for sure, like, such a unique... When people hear a beat of his, especially producers, they know right away that it's a Dilla beat, like... No, I remember hearing those beats on um, Adult Swim back in the day. <laughs> oh, really? You you heard them from cartoons first? I, I think they were used... They used to be, because I wasn't really into 
the Detroit music scene when I'm like, it's hard to explain because it's like with my age. Yeah, how old are you? I'm 24. Oh, okay. So okay. he was probably into with the people that was like my cousin's age, which is a few years older than me. Yeah. So I wasn't really even into music like that at that point. I was into Lil Wayne. Like when I was a teenager, it was Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, <laughs> stuff like that. I wasn't even listening to Detroit music until, because I'll put it this way. I'm originally from Detroit, and then I moved to Ypsil- Ypsilanti, which is like 30, 40 minutes outside of Detroit. But I was always back and forth in Detroit. But I only stayed with my family. I didn't know nobody. So it was like I'm just in my in my house with my family. So I'm on the computer and stuff. I'm on the MySpaces, all that. And all you see is Lil Wayne, Rick Ross. Stuff yeah, like, like the popular that's, shit, right? Exactly. So that's all I was on until my younger brother. Sorry about that. My TV just turned off. My younger yeah. brother had... um told me about Doughboy's Cash Out. So I started listening to them, and then that got me into the Detroit. That was the first Detroit label, right? Or the rap label, sorry. Wasn't it the first? I don't think that they were really a label. Like, that they were just, I doubt it was the first one, but they were just, in my experience, what drew me back into it. And then from there, you know, you had your team, East Sides, and those guys, and eventually, like, that led to, well, you had Big Sean, too. I forgot to mention him in the yeah. Got him, and then that led me to listen to Say It Ain't Tone, and then that's how I ended up hearing Dave's Loaf because they had a mixtape that they did together at the time. And it was, I was trying to just work with them as a group. I liked everybody in the group, so mm. I'm like, I'm just trying to work. And Dave's was the only person who responded. Mm. That's so, interesting. What, how long ago, or what year was that? Was that 2013, 2012? I talked to her at the beginning of. 2014 january 2014 nice yeah so that so for you was that like a big deal then for you like like uh it's kind of like me and travis it's like you're you're fan of someone and then all of a sudden they want to do something on your track that's that's how i was completely like my first song that i had anybody really do anything with was somebody out of doughboy's cash out and i looked at that like man I listen to their music. He's using my beat. I'm thinking like, oh, the world, my world's about to change. He's using my beat. It didn't happen, but it was just like, okay, so I'm sitting here, still making my beat, still making my beat, still sending them out. Like, I was listening. I was into Detroit music heavy at that point in time, so I had just really found out about it. I mean, I knew about Blade, Icewood, and those guys, like, because my cousins and stuff, you know, they were older, so I heard them talk about it and heard the music, like, I had Blade Icewood CD, um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I got that from my cousin. So I I knew who he was, but that was my... Blade Icewood was like my only Detroit history. I had, no, Blade Icewood, Eminem, D12, mm-hmm. and that was like it until Big Sean came out. And then that's after that's when the Doughboys and all them came out, and I started getting back into it. So I reached out to all the guys I was listening to, because I was just into it on YouTube all the yeah. time. And people were just turning me down left or right and wouldn't hear nothing back. So I was just like, okay, whatever. So I'm just still doing my thing. And when Dej wanted to use it, use one beat, it was like, wow, I'm going to keep sending it. So I just started flooding her with stuff. Like, so Try I, Me wasn't the first beat, right? No, it wasn't. She yeah. had, um, I don't even remember. She didn't, yeah. I don't even think the song is out, but she had probably got, I'd say anywhere from about 70 to 100 beats from me before Try Me had came out. Like I That's said, so three, many. I'm, That's so many beats. I had them sitting. Nobody was using them. That's how I am now. Like to this day, it's like I I feel like I have a hard time getting the type of placements that I want, and then also getting different like specific artists. Like if I say I wanted to work with somebody, I send them a beat. They're like, "Well, I'm not really feeling this," but then somebody else would be like, "Man, that is amazing!" And mm-hmm. it's just trying to find that balance. And then that was what happened with Days. It was like if I. Didn't if I switched up my sound to match what everybody else in Detroit was doing, I could have got a bunch of placements. But mm-hmm. since I not placements, but a bunch of people using my beats. But since I stayed to what I was doing, me and her sound meshed together very well. Yeah, uh, so I, all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, that's just a work ethic, man. Like to to to, to pump out beats as a beat maker or a producer like to really pump out beats is, is one thing that's super important whether it's like trying to get a better sound out of yourself creatively it just gets to the next level like quantity man is i mean quality matters but quantity is is important too 
I try to tell that to people. That's one of the, that's one of the things that kills me, and I put it on my YouTube so much because I want people to see like this is what I do. People don't know like majority of people on YouTube don't even know my story. They're like, how do you make beats all day? Don't you have a job or something? I'm like, no, this is my job. So I sit here and I just do this. Yeah. I made a goal of seventy beats per month for this year to have done. January I did 69, February I did 69, and March I did 90. So I feel like that made up for yeah. January, February. And then so far this month I'm at 47. So it's huge. But yeah, I mean, yeah, if it is the main thing, then then yeah, you you would have the time. It's not impossible to do that. You're not doing the impossible, but you're doing pretty but amazing. I, but I tell people even when I was when I lost my job and I had my son every day while my girlfriend was at work. I had to make sure that I worked. She worked eight, nine hours a day. So I had my son for eight or nine hours a day. I could have been like, oh, I'm tired or this, that. <laughs> I just had to make it work. Yeah. And that's why I tell you, you just had to, it's all about how you schedule your time. And I feel like people should realize that somebody will sit there and I know people who will sit there and say like they want to do this or do that, but they spend hours just watching TV or yeah. on they'll be on their phone or Instagram for an hour. And I'm like, you could have made a beat or something, or they'll be on the video games. I know people that's in all of that. And I don't talk down on them. I just say, you want, if you really want to do something, you can do it. You can't complain that you're only doing a little amount. Yeah. And other things that you could be, that's pointless. Well, I think like the, some of the tips that you give in some of your YouTube videos or like what we were talking about earlier, just writing shit down is a small these are small steps that can be taken to get to to get you to the next level and that it's a cyclic kind of motivating thing where once you do one small thing for yourself you'll just keep going if you just stay at the beginning where you're doing shit all and you're just worried about the future or complaining but you're you're just not taking that step and you just feel like it's it's like working out like you feel like it's such a hard task if you're someone that needs to work out but if you just start a couple push-ups a couple of chin-ups it gets you in the in the mood to do more, and that's the same thing with like creating, don't you think? I believe that exactly. It's like I say with my board. It's like I write the stuff down. It's little stuff. Like right now for tomorrow, I have I'm gonna make beats. Got to make videos for the YouTube. I have to pay my bills. I want to read, and then I have like be grateful, work harder, and that's something I put under there every day, so that way I remember to do that, and then I leave it open. But if I don't do that, then this door is open. The way out of my house is right here. So I'm going to look in here and see on the board that I didn't do it. So I'm going to feel bad that I didn't do it. So I'm going to make sure that I do it. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. If you make one beat every day at the end of the month, you have 30 beats ready to go. Because <laughs> you never know when that situation is going to come and you need more beats. And if you only have one, imagine if I only had one beat ready that day is like, you know who knows what would happen so. exactly right so the reason yeah you center 70 so that's 70 shots if you miss all the shots you don't take they say right so if you send one shot that's okay but if you send 70 you got a better chance you're more more in your arsenal that's like me with this podcast i've been asking all these different people online right i got like scientists coming on here and shit I, i'm not really up to snuff yet with these guys but i'll do some research and then i'll i'll try and like get a good conversation out of it that people can benefit from, right? You, you were mentioning uh, you were thinking of a podcast, too. That'd be a good idea for producers. I, you don't see many producers... First of all, you don't see many producers making YouTube videos like you and, and answering people online and engaging with people. So it's kind of interesting. A lot of producers either just try and play it cool and, like, stay in the background or whatever and don't respond to your shit. Like, I mean, I've met people, like, I guess... I forget who said it, but somebody was saying something like, if you look up to somebody, you shouldn't meet them. It was something like that. Cause I'm, I'm ran into some people that I looked up to and it kind of was like, it was disappointing. Cause like, damn, <laughs> really? Like they just, they just blow you off. And I'm just like, well, okay. Like, I guess that's just how it is. And I'm not that type of person. And then when I was starting out, I used to ask people for advice, you know, people that were selling hundreds of beats online a month. I'd be like, I'd be glad if I could just sell 10 a month. So I would ask them, they'd just be like, yeah, you just you just got to make beats. Or <laughs> ask somebody, how did they get placements on TV? Could you help me give me some type of advice? And he just said something like, yeah, I was in the building. So I was just in the building. And I'm like, okay, so are you telling me that you worked and then networked with people and got in the building? Or are you saying that you were just there? Like, what does that mean? And other stuff like that. It's, 
it's like it's pointless to me because to be honest, I look at the whole thing like the system, in my opinion, is gonna go to where your follow not your followers, your supporters are gonna be the ones that's keeping you afloat because rappers, this is a thing going on, people don't wanna buy beats, stuff like that. And it's just it's just a whole and then chasing around placements in my experience. You get responses sometimes, sometimes you don't. Sometimes people do something with the beat. If they do something with the beat and they just sit it there, you're not getting paid for it. It's just sitting there. You can't put it out because you will get sued. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sitting and it's like, well, man, like you just got to engage with the people, inspire people. Like I have a t- I had a 10 year old write me from Germany and that blew my mind. Oh. Like, watch your videos every day and. You inspire me to make beats. My mom is going to buy me a machine and this. And I was just like, wow, like in Germany. And it's like stuff like that makes me feel better about, I'm not even saying better about myself. It just makes me feel better because it's like people look at me like I'm up here, but I really feel like I'm just down here with everybody else. I'm Right, right. <laughs> I may have done more music than you. I may have more placements. I may have some success, but at the end of the day, it's like, if I'm going to sit here and ignore everybody and look away, like, what's the point in that? I'd rather just have a conversation. I'm not doing nothing no way. Yeah. <laughs> have a conversation. You not. I can see if it was like, here's one example. I have a guy who sends me his stuff every single day. It's like he sends me 50 different snaps. Now, that's a different story because I had to tell him, like, dude, you cannot flood <laughs> my email and stuff. My emails get pushed down and stuff like that. That's bad stuff. Like, I will let you know. Like, I'll block you for stuff like that. But if you say, hey, man, I was getting machined and I wondered, how did you do this and that? I'll show you. You're going to find out anyway, so why not just tell you? Right. It's not like it's secret where, oh, no, if I tell you to do this, then the world will know, like, no, all they have to do is dig deeper and they will eventually find it. <laughs> right, right. So a lot of people don't, yeah, a lot of people don't want to give that five, ten seconds of their day to the fans necessarily, even if they're asking a legit question, because they just, they're just busy. But I mean, even with that, it's like, you just have to, that goes back to you just have to make time, like. I don't respond to the comments every day like I used to because I do so much on the live streams. I sit there, I read the comments as they come in, I respond to them. And then if I don't get, let's say I have to go two days without responding on to the comments, I will sit there in my bed, get on my phone on the little YouTube studio app, go to the comments and sit there and respond to every last one of those comments until the last one is done that may take an hour or however long but i will do it just because i know how important that is like i was in situations where people were just giving me like oh yeah this is good i'm gonna do this for you do that for you and they'd be like yeah nothing ever happened but it's like at least they responded versus people that didn't respond and the people that on top of that the people i was asking aren't the top tier people. This isn't people like I'm saying. I reached out to Pharrell and he didn't respond and stuff. No, this is just somebody that's I say on the level I'm at now. Right, right, right. Like, dude. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So, and I just wanted to be that person for people. If I can help you give advice from my or give you advice from my experience, it doesn't cost me none. It costs me a few minutes. But if that, I could be transforming somebody's whole world and not even know it. Like if. Mm-hmm taught you how to put your machine into scale mode and that opened up a door for you and you become the next biggest producer all off of a YouTube video or I answered and told you to do this, then that make me feel good. <laughs> yeah, that's commendable, man, in today's day and age. I don't know, because it's like we're more connected because of social media, but people then are still, it's like we're more entitled or something. Like people are more entitled to their free time or their or their energy or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um... Any artists that you're, like, really hoping to work with? Like, any big... Who are some of your f- real favorites right now? Or, like you said, you don't listen to any of the new stuff, but... I say I want a song with Drake and Sade. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, Anything's possible, man. Drake, uh, he's pretty versatile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be dope. I love Sade. I'm actually going to sample Sade for a YouTube video on that I'm going to post soon. Um, I had a list of people I would like to actually I'd like to have a track with Big Sean um, let me see who else who else see that's the thing when I get put on the spot with these yeah, questions, yeah I, no, I know I have I'll be listening to stuff and have names and then I'll be like uh yeah you'll forget you'll remember them later on 
That's exactly how it goes. As soon as I, as soon as we get off, I want a song with Nas, Rick Ross. Yeah, uh, I'll just leave it at that now. <laughs> um, speaking but, of your your YouTube uh, channel again, you're doing the you're, you're doing an experiment where you are going through and, and selling your beats online, and you're gonna kind of give people feedback on how that's going. Yeah, the thing with that was I would get so many different emails or comments or what is it chats about people who want to sell their beats online and they literally ask me like how can I do this how can I do that how can I do this so one thing is I haven't done it like that like I told you people would not buy my beats I, there was a point in time where I put my beats down to five dollars just to see if people would buy and people weren't <laughs> buying them so I was like okay so this isn't gonna work so I'm not going to do that no more and then with me having somewhat of a name, like I do non-exclusives online only. Like if you want exclusive beats, email me. And then from there, we can get talk about the money situation and all that stuff. But non-exclusive stuff, here's the link. So I'm doing that just to document it in a sense to be like a tutorial kind of. So that way people can see it because I haven't been into it like that. But I have ideas like I've made one of my YouTube videos go from 100 views to like 10,000 views and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I feel like I could figure out different ways of doing it. And I went in and out of selling beats online, but it was nothing consistently. So I want to try and do something consistently. Now, that's a lot of work because like I got to make the promo videos, uh, post them, schedule stuff, all, all different type of things still while making beats. But the thing that got caught up with that was, well, yesterday I wasn't feeling well, so I had to slow my roll on that. And then it's like when I get focused on doing something like that, I have people then hitting me up about, I want to beat from you. And then when they call me and say they want to beat from me, their majority of the time they're talking about an exclusive beat. So then I had to set up, when do you want to meet? When do you want to do this? Okay, let's, let me get, let me take my library down there so that we can go and see what you need. Like that. So it's like, I had that whole window of time where nothing was really going on. So I said, let me go ahead and do this because I get tired of telling people what you got to do is find where you got to go, do this, do that. So I'll type a long paragraph. So I'm like, let me get a video, put it in a series, and that way I'll say, here you go. And then if it's successful, that's good for you. If it's not successful, you look at my mistakes and tweak it and try and figure out what was wrong. With yeah, it. yeah. Well, I, I as a beat maker, I, I focus more on like my local scene. And just my personal growth, I, I always, back in the day, the MySpace days, uh, I saw I always saw those beat-selling sites, and a lot of them always just seemed like these cookie-cutter beats, and, and it didn't seem like they are selling for all that much, so I didn't really get into it. I just thought that I would sort of maybe make a way in the real world with, like, real-world connections, but I'm going to stay tuned to your to your experiment and see how it goes. What, you, what you're saying is smart, because I'm actually going to do a video on that, too, and that's really just getting out there and meeting people, you're going to have more success selling your beat. In my opinion, you're going to have more success selling your beats to people or just working with people based off of meeting them because I can post my beats online all day. Somebody was saying, oh, he's automatically going to make a whole bunch of money because he has a name and stuff like that. And I'm like, it doesn't work. Like, I posted it up two days ago. I haven't got a sale yet. But it's like I haven't had the time to really push it. And then on top of that, that stuff take a while. But like I told you, people will call me and say, I need this, need that. And they're local people. So I'm going to go do this and do that. That My name helps with that. But if I didn't have a name, I would try to find a way to get in touch with these different people because those are the people you don't know who's going to pop out of those. And then on top of that, that can be a consistent income. If you got 15, 20 different local artists that's buying from you consistently, let's say they give you $300, $500 a beat you can go to them at different times because they're always, all of them going to be working on something at some point in time. And if you still working, you never know what's going to happen versus putting them online. Cause I think a lot of people think you just are able to put it online and it automatically will sell when that's really not the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Getting out in the real world, like you said, you don't know, you don't ever know who's going to pop or who you can meet. And it depends on the scene of your city, I guess. Like in Toronto, there's, it's almost like a trend to be a rapper in Toronto right now. There's so many dudes, that, and some pretty good, like talented, but there's just so many. And like Detroit, um, yeah, there's it's saturated, but it's a it's a you know it's like a big city where I'm from. It's a smaller city. It's like 170 thousand. Hey, let him join in on the podcast. Maybe. 
That's my, that's my regular phone. Oh. This is family calling. I'm just going to send them a text, let them know I'm in there. Right, sorry about that. I, I was, no, it's all good. I'll edit it there, and I'll put a, one of your songs, and then I'll edit it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just saying, yeah, it's, I'm from a smaller town. So, yeah, I met people in the local scene, and I actually got a couple of them are doing pretty well. Like, uh, the one guy just won a Juno for like best producer and everything. And like, it's not necessarily that the local scene generated any cash or like business for the, for the people in it, but it let them connect with each other, which then collaborations between producers and rap and different things like that. It, it doesn't even, it's like, it's the real world, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen in say like the arenas or the, the shows. It could just be the connection of the people, right? That's that's another thing that I think a lot of people are confused about, like, or have, I don't know how to put it, but I don't think people understand, like, to be successful, if you can live off of just doing music, you're successful. If you're, like, <laughs> right. people think that you got to have millions, like, I don't think anything's wrong with it. If you want, I would love to have 10 million, 100 million dollars. I strive to have a great amount of wealth in the years but i think people have to realize that you can't be all about the money when it comes to chasing your dreams because in my look at my situation days i didn't ask her for any money for those beats i was just sending her i was just happy that somebody wanted to make music with it i believe like let me just send it to her she's doing this oh i love this song here's some more oh i love this here's some more yeah. and then just so happened that she happened to take off so if I had been that guy that's like, no, I need 200 300 uh, even back then, probably $50, <laughs> I probably would have missed out. You know, you never know what would have happened. And I try to tell people, like, the money will eventually come. I know I'm not saying you had to sit there, but you have to consistently work, reach out to people, constantly have your brain thinking the ways of, like, my thing was reaching out to people. Like, supposedly, I have a beat with Rick Ross on it, and this is pre-days, like, I did that because I was posting stuff on Instagram. I was interested in working with somebody, found somebody that was tied to that person, followed them. They looked at my page, told me they needed beats for their artist who was tied to Rick Ross. Mm -hmm. So I sent them the beats. Then they told me they was in the studio with Rick Ross and that they did a song on it. Like I said, I didn't hear it because they said they couldn't send it to me. But I don't know whether it happened or not, but it's just you just have to keep going. They didn't say, oh, we're going to send you a check or nothing. Like, no, just get out there. Right. <laughs> Straight out, like that's like that murder beats uh, cat. Like when he sent, he just sent his stuff to Migos, and then they just started flying him out to Atlanta. So like, this is the sound we're basically looking for. So now he's at a point. Like I'm sure maybe he didn't get paid for those first couple connections, but now he's all over at Coachella and with Drake and stuff. And like they've, they're definitely, you know, he's got to be doing things more business like as he progresses in his career. That's what it's all about. They say you got to pay your dues and stuff. So, or even I didn't even say take your risk. People say like, what would you do if somebody steal your beats? There's ways to combat that. Like in my situations, whenever an artist has put out a song and it's going to be a big song on the radio, the label is going to want to know who made the beat. <laughs> so, yeah. like if I'm sending a beat to Drake, I'm not going to be like, hey man, I need five thousand dollars before I sign over the rights. Yeah. I'm not even gonna say sign over the rights before you can rap on it. Or I'm gonna send you half the beat before you get the other half. I need for you to send me the money. Like, no, nah, take it, do what you do. If it becomes something, the label is gonna say they're gonna send you the little paperwork and you read through it. And then you you got a lawyer, send it to your lawyer. Both y'all read through it. I always say make sure you read through it so you have an understanding too. Then you sign it and then you'll get paid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, man. No, it's uh, it's uh, really cool what you're doing with the YouTube and and you know your social media and everything like that. It's getting 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 other creatives and, and people starting out to kind of like think deeper, write down their goals, be motivated, and like stick to it and all that. So, hey, man, just wanted to thank you again for for doing this podcast. I'm gonna say one thing on the YouTube thing. Yeah. You know, the thing about that was <clears throat> that was really for myself. I didn't do that with nobody else it was just a thing where I kind of I'm kind of I had like shyness a little bit at one point I didn't have that because I used to work at Target so I was used to talking to people all the time that was nothing new but I worked at a factory for like a year and that completely shut that off because you went from talking to everybody in the store to you in the factory just yeah yeah <laughs> 
I wanted to get more comfortable. So I was like, let me set up my camera and start doing this and doing that. And I just stayed consistent with it. And now I get on YouTube like it's nothing. I used to be mm-hmm. nervous. I used to be worried about what would people say, what about this. And then I got to the point where it was just like, I don't care no yeah. more. So I'm just going to keep doing it and doing it. And then it just turned into something else. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. That's kind of been my experience with the podcast. Like, I, I don't, I'm not trained in doing podcasts. I don't really have any expertise. It's just like I'm interested in a lot of different things. And I follow a lot of different people. So I'm like certain people who are not too out of reach. I can easily just connect with them. And and we you both learn something from it, whatever it is. Like, you know, is this your first podcast you've been on? Yeah. Hey, I've I've had an interview, but it wasn't a podcast. I had I think I only had two or three interviews, and then I had like a few write ups and mm-hmm. things like. That. But mm-hmm. this is my first podcast. Hey, exclusive DDS <laughs> on the deep cast. Cool, man. Well, uh, anything else you want to plug? We'll put all your links to, in the descriptions and everything to your Twitter and your uh, YouTube page. It's DD, at DDS825, right? Yep. That's it. I wanted to get at DDS, but somebody had it and it wasn't using it. Didn't have no followers, no pictures. I wrote Instagram and they wouldn't give it to me. Then when it, when it finally went away, somebody else came and got it and it just put a picture and one picture and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stick with this and everything's just going to be BDS eight two five, so that's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> there you go, there you go, folks. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stay tuned to your work and uh, peace out, brother. All right, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> no problem. Peace. for listening to the decast if you enjoyed this episode feel free to share it on social media to support the podcast subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app follow us on soundcloud or leave a comment or review or become a patreon for just one dollar a month for more information on supporting the podcast go to www.decast.ca 